With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. How are you doing there? It is David from the David McWilliams podcast. And this is a Staycast from Acast. We're all following the government's advice right now. We're staying in. It's a little bit cocooning, but it's all working. So while you're staying at home, here's a recommendation of another great podcast. It's the Blind Boy podcast. He's an old mate. He's a great skin. He has extraordinarily interesting views of the world. Check it out. This is Everything is Black and White podcast brought to you by Chronicle Live and sponsored by Hodgson Motor Group, bringing you the latest insight into everything to do with Newcastle United. Find us on iTunes, Spotify or most podcast providers. Hello and welcome to Everything is Black and White podcast. It's time for our weekend review and a positive one to come. Newcastle beat West Ham 3-2 down in the council. I'm joined here by Kieran Kelly and Lee Ryder who uh, took in that victory. Um, lads, a, a brilliant first tee, a first half performance. Second half got a bit nervy towards the end, but uh, I mean, just first off, in a sentence, Lee, how would you describe what you saw? Well, it was a much improved and much needed display that you know Steve Bruce, you know, he had to get he ha- had to get three points in it really, and thankfully they delivered for him and uh, put a few silenced a few critics. That's for sure. For you, Kieran, in, in a sentence, because well, we're obviously we're going to delve right into it, but. Sum it up uh, briefly if you can. Yeah, I think um most encouraging thing for me just to see them smell a weakness and just brutally exploit it. Um, possibly the first time this season maybe we've seen Newcastle in an attacking sense be like that. I, I know they, they should have been more clinical, if anything, but um, you know, it bodes well going forward that you're you're seeing stuff being worked on at the training ground actually uh happen in a match situation. So that's a big bonus. I mean, were you guys expecting Newcastle to come out the, the traps like they did? I mean, given what we've seen in, in recent weeks, I mean, to be turning up so quickly and to really dominate um, proceedings, did that come as a bit of a shock to you? It, it didn't away because I, I expected them to go down there and park the bus a bit and be a bit more defensive. But then you look at that Chelsea game, um, they, they started quite well, uh, but things didn't fall for them really. They weren't, they weren't clinical. So... You know, on reflection, maybe not too much of a surprise, but certainly the performance was built on, you know, certainly the first half, uh, a bit of solidity at the back and then hitting them on the break. Um, but obviously the the defensive discipline just disappeared in the closing stages, which made it such a, a strange game to, to sort of report on. I saw someone uh, tweet, it's when the teams were announced that they, they hoped it clicked, and I assume they were talking about that front three. We know they've lacked goals. Um, neither of them, uh, any three of them, got on the score sheet on Saturday. But they, I mean, they played really well, didn't that? Joe Linton, Almiron, and uh, St. Maxman. Yeah, I think that's the thing. It's probably the first time this season that, as you said, without scoring, that you can actually see what each of them brings to the table. Joe Linton, um, probably his best game potentially for Newcastle in terms of smart, being smart, holding up the ball, winning free kicks. 
uh, getting the clock down at times. Uh, so Maxman, ugh, you could just see what he brings. I know he should have scored possibly two goals, but um, what he did to Pablo Zabaleta, who I know is a bit of a slouch these days, but you know he's an experienced defender who who can foul uh, forwards and he, he just couldn't get close to him. And then, of course, Almiron, who, um, you know, going into this, maybe some maybe felt that Atsu could come in for him or there could be a shake-up there or Gale potentially come in. Uh, it was a timely reminder, again, of, of what he does. He's, he's tireless, the, the hard work. We, we've said it all for, for a long time now. Again, it's the goal that's missing, but it was another performance that reminds you of what he can do. So I think... Bruce was, was clear and wanting to stand by them given how little they've all played together and you can kind of see why now um, with time in theory um, they'll only get better it's just getting that goal now for, for all three of them and sticking with well, one man in particular Alan St Maximum I mean Kieran's mentioned it there I mean he left poor Zavaleta didn't he I mean there's a, there's a picture and Zavaleta's he's just he's just out on his knees I mean there's a run isn't there that St Maximum just burns him for pace and it is exactly what Newcastle United fans want to see the effort more than anything um, it was just superb to see the fans got right behind them. they loved that performance and on social media afterwards as well St Maximum um, was loving the reaction he was interacting as he has done before but he's, he's, a very, he's a special kind of character isn't he? Yeah absolutely I mean there's not too many things in football that's more exciting than seeing somebody peel off the defenders and start hurtling towards goal it's, it's fantastic to see um, it's why you pay to go and watch football matches and really the performance had everything but the goal kind of thing uh, I think he was fantastic in parts showboating a little bit but look if he's if he's going to terrorise defenders like that then you know you you just want to see more and more of it and uh, hopefully this can be the beginning uh, of a good run now you know we've seen it before with wingers in the past uh, Ginola and Robert um, but this this guy he's, he brings something a bit special at the party as well. So hopefully, uh, hopefully there's more of it to come on on Saturday. Being overly critical, he probably should have had two himself. Yeah, maybe a little bit of composure. But it's easy to say, it, isn't it? Um, he, he made a decision to to hit the ball where he did. Um, but what what was also impressive was that he tried to bring Almiron in and get him his first goal as well. That was very unselfish in front of goal. So unselfish that I just think that Almiron wasn't expecting it. And, uh, you know, sadly he couldn't couldn't get off the mark either. But I think that they've got to score eventually. So when that'll be, we don't know. But if they've got confidence from this game, uh, if that's brimming going into the game, then hopefully they can get it against Bournemouth and uh, it can be another good day to report on. Fingers crossed. Another man who stood out here was John Joe Shelby, uh, another one who's always had questions about him and he, he does face up with that criticism. And I suppose there was no better way to face up to it than the performance he put in on Saturday. Yeah, he's he's one of those characters who I think almost took it personally that maybe people weren't thinking that he could come in for Sean Long stuff necessarily. I, I suppose it was a bit of a surprise that the midfield was completely changed. Uh, it's quite a bold move to... To, to put Matty stuff on the bench I know that sounds mad but obviously started the last three games he had that consistency there but putting Hayden and Shelby in it worked well we know what they can do um, I think Hayden won the ball back so many times got those transitions going and on the counter and Shelby yeah, it, was, it was a a real 
statement performance you know he's he's gone out and, and said he knows he's playing for a new contract and the key for him now is is doing that on a regular basis it'd be a real shock if he didn't start against Bournemouth for example um, next time out but you saw what he brought to the team um, not so much the Hollywood balls this time maybe he was a bit more uh, disciplined but the the set pieces alone you know I don't think it was a coincidence that Newcastle really um, looked a bit stronger with their deliveries and the routines uh, with Shelby and the team so that that was a massive plus I mean, he got the third goal. It was a, a great free kick. You could argue the keeper maybe should have done a little bit better. But other than the goalie, what did he bring to the side? Just that bit of composure and coolness, you know. Uh, they certainly had the hand in two goals, the two opening goals as well, um, with you know the free kick for the first one and then involved in the corner, which eventually led to the second. And I just think all around, really, he brings them... That bit of finesse to the midfield, uh, but really, it's it's whether he can continue it. That's been the biggest problem of his whole career, I think. Um, but you know, I was pointing in the direction that he has now scored, I think, three goals from his last six starts. So maybe he might say that, you know, he's um, he's, he's he is in form and he has got that consistency. It's just been staggered over the the two seasons. Uh, hopefully, he can uh, produce against Bournemouth and. If they get three points, then I think we'll all be pretty excited about that. As has been has has been the case uh, this season when Newcastle have won, it seems to have been an all-round performance, and we could name any several players who have stood out. And maybe one man that went under the rain, radar on Saturday was Jethro Williams. Again, he's he just seems to be excelling, and with Matt Ritchie coming back for fitness as well, uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, decision for Steve Bruce to make. Yeah, yeah, I think it was, again, another important performance for him. I don't think he had necessarily his best game for Newcastle last week and he, he obviously kept his place against West Ham and um, you saw what he can do going forward yet again. You know, that it's a great floated ball that completely bamboozles Roberto and he's in no man's land and Fernandez has a free header and I think you can't put a price on what the defenders have done going forward this season. If you took out the goals they brought to the table, Newcastle would be in a, a really dark place right now. Um, and Willems, I mean, when we saw him that first game of the season against Arsenal, when he came on, all the confusion about the substitute, you think, oh, that's the last thing a new player needs when they're coming to a, into a team under pressure already. And, uh, okay, Richie's been injured, but every week he seems to be getting more used to the pace and kind of getting a handle on when to go forward and when to come back and he definitely adds something going forward so yeah you, you can't really fault him and that's a welcome selection dilemma coming up because Richie's obviously going to be knocking on the door again soon once he's fully fit so yeah it's a good problem to have I'm just reading through some of the stats four key passes uh, 70% pass accuracy uh, a couple of dribbles and then defensively as well, two clearances and two interceptions. So showing that actually he's not just got that attacking kind of ability. He's not too bad at defending his lines as well. Yeah, but I think that's something that they're trying to they're trying to get this sort of collective spirit with back into the team now. Um, it was missing at times earlier in the season, but especially at Leicester. But like now, everyone's sort of chipping in. Everyone knows the role. But he he has got a genuine selection dilemma coming up at the weekend. Uh, Richie 
will be desperate to play. Um, no doubt about that. But who would you who would you take out after Saturday? I mean, it's certainly that first that first hour was arguably the best they played for a lot a long time. Uh, I mean, I know they beat Fulham four 0 on the last game of the season, but Fulham were down and it was a bit bit of a strange atmosphere. But that for that first hour, that was the best I've seen Newcastle play away from home for for such a long time. So I mean, Steve Bruce has obviously had a bit of a tough time of it um, of late. How was he after the game? Was that the kind of performance you think he's been hinting at when he says you know they're banging the goals in on the training pitch? Everything's kind of working during the week and it just hasn't yet clicked on the weekend. No, I, th- I think I think he basically he thrives on proving people wrong um, and and getting back at critics. And I think he was pretty fired up, wasn't he, in the press uh-huh. conference afterwards. Um, some unsavoury headlines going in, going into the game, really, but only based on the comments that he made. But I guess, really, if he hadn't said them, then they wouldn't have ended up being headlines. So it's a strange one, really. But he did you know, make it clear in the press conference that he, he said he didn't expect them to to end up in print um but if if the you know if someone hasn't said that was off the record then you know people are going to go ahead and publish them and uh, you're referring to the, the toilet to- toilet gate yeah yes. <laughs> so uh so it's i mean i think he was uh, feeling a bit bruised by by some of that and it was it was a strange press conference really because you you would normally think after a great away win like that you would be jubilant really but another talking point uh, in the world of Newcastle United in the match of the day uh, interview you mentioned Rafa Benitez he said you know it would be nice to I think I don't, I don't, did he use the word respect or liked like Rafa Benitez yeah I think. Um, what did you make of that because yeah, is it playing on his mind I mean he's kind of said look I'm not everyone's cup of tea I'm not going to be Rafa Benitez the players, some players said, let's move on, Rafa's gone. That's kind of, you know, the direction everyone's taken. So why why mention Rafa Benitez at that point? Yeah, it's odd. And I mean, we've talked about this before. The After the Wolves game, you know, the idea that the players took on themselves to defend and, you know, previously alluding to the players only knowing a certain way to play. And it's kind of, I think with, with Benitez, we haven't had that. Rafa hasn't come out and said anything for a while when it comes to Newcastle thankfully and equally the barbs from Newcastle towards him there haven't been any so you just like to think of we're how many months in now into Bruce's reign it's not that he's a month in anymore that you can just focus on the job at hand and I think for him it's results on the field that are ultimately going to be what he's judged on I, I genuinely believe that now I think fans are past the stage of thinking oh, okay yeah they, they would have loved Benitez to have stayed but just got to get on with it don't they and I think that's the way he is to look at it is well you're your own man as you always say you've managed 950 plus games don't worry about what Benitez has done in the past put your own stamp on the team and I think that's the job for him now and and okay the, the West Ham game I think was a big step in doing that so it's just following it up now and it's a case that again like you said he has to follow if he continues to put his team out like that and they continue to perform like that easier said than done um, then he, you know it won't take very long for Newcastle fans to maybe 
back their manager. Yeah, I mean, I think the fans, as ever, get right behind the team. Um, but I think to have your name chanted, if that's what if that's what he is sort of alluding to, then I just think that that has that comes in time. Alan Pardew arrived on the scene at Newcastle. Uh, it took him a while to for the fans to warm to him. They had to. They were pushing up, trying to get in the Champions League, and then you know these they were chanting his name at, at the start of, I think it was 2011, 2012 season. Uh, it was it ended up being short lived because he couldn't take them, you know, any any further forward in the next season. They nearly got relegated. So, but for a while they were chanting his name. Um, that if Steve Bruce is pushing for the top top eight or top six, then I'm pretty sure there there, there might be some some chance uh, coming his way. But really, it's. That's that shouldn't be important, really. Uh, it's about getting wins, and you know the the fans, the fans' chance are irrelevant if you're if you're winning games. That's the way he he must he has to think that way because if it's not a popularity contest, it's about winning football games. Yes, most. I mean, but he would have enjoyed Saturday nonetheless. I mean, maybe you could argue it's finally getting his blueprint down, in, you know, in front of the fans. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's it's similar to the the Man U win that it's not that they're sitting deep and soaking up. You know, you can see a bit of uh, invention and pressing, and there are elements, as I said before, what they're doing at training is is happening in match situations. That's really what fans need to see at this point, because like we said, um, it wasn't ideal situation being parachuted in mid July uh, with very little preseason left and very little. To t- time to get signings through the door and um it's really from here on in that you can kind of properly judge okay what's the manager changing he's he's got no excuse when it comes to he's seen pretty much all the players now he's had time on the training ground with them and his staff and yeah it is encouraging that you're seeing those signs but you just have to keep it going now and that's obviously the challenge of being newcastle manager I mean, that's the key though isn't the reference to prior that he has to build on this performance like he had to build on the my night performance it didn't quite work and Saturday is an important game because obviously it's a very tough opposition in Bournemouth and we'll have a, a preview to that game later in the week but it's really important that you know we do see consistency mm-hmm. in Newcastle yeah well if they want to stave off relegation that's what they're going to have to do they're going to have to you know put a run together of you know two three four wins if they can do that then you know they'll They'll definitely pull clear, but they're quietly getting on with the job. They're twelve points in the bag already. Um, got the full month to sort of, you know, reflect on that really uh, with with two more games. But then I think for me, if you can get sort of going in that festive period, if you if you've got twenty two plus points on the board, then you you're in a, a good shape in terms of fending off relegation. Now I know. That, that shouldn't be classed as an achievement but sadly the way Newcastle have been run uh, in, in recent years that staying in the Premier League is what, what it's all about uh, it's not ambitious at all but it's it's where Newcastle are so you know you just as a fan you're counting down to 40 points basically every season um, so they're, they're on track to stay up um, the bookies don't think they're going to go down anymore so hopefully they can get a few more wins but it would be you know, typical Newcastle if they go after all that brilliant performance at West Ham if they then uh, make a mess of this Bournemouth game it would be pretty pretty, uh, pretty miserable 
hope you've enjoyed this episode so far. It's sponsored by Hodgson Motor Group, the Northeast number one family-owned Toyota, Mazda and Suzuki dealership group. Please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast through wherever you get your podcasts from. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. A few more positive notes then. Annie Carroll um, tweeted after the game, you know, support of Joe Linton, which was really nice to see, you know, when when a player's down on his look, that's what you need, isn't it? You need um, that back. And it really does feel like Newcastle have got that squad mentality where it is like, it, it, it is a team. It's not every man for himself, it's a team. Yeah, and I mean, Andy Carroll, I've done a piece yesterday, just, this is a different a different version of Andy Carroll we're seeing in that he's now, he's now the senior pro. When he was in Newcastle, he was a young boy and Kevin Nolan took him under his wing and know helped him you know get into the England squad basically by you know nurturing him now it's good to see him doing that with younger players um it's almost like a second captain in there and, and the I mean Andy Carroll a lot of people you know stick the boot in about his injury record but you know he's made five appearances now um yes he had the groin injury but you know his ankles you know it's pulling through um and it's a low risk signing even if he you know makes 12 appearances this season they haven't paid the transfer fee for him so if I think you'll be delighted if he can make you know 15 plus appearances this year and then try and you know win that contract uh, for next year because he's worth having around and the players queuing after the game in the mix and what were they like I mean obviously jubilant that they won um, but what was the kind of the feeling there when you were speaking to them afterwards was that a question for me? I'm getting pointed sorry I was I was covering I was, the... I was at the press room yeah, yeah. So I was covering uh, I was covering Sullen, so I wasn't up to where who was where. But Lee, we'll go over to you then with that question. We'll come back where the press you can see unscripted here. Um, yeah. So what were they like then? Yeah, I think the the majority of them, you know, stopped to speak. Um, there's some some good pros in there. People like Fernandez came out and said his piece. Um, but I think there's still some players that uh, sometimes affected by criticism. John Joe Shelby being one of them who didn't want to share uh, his thoughts with, with the press. Obviously, he does the official um, club channel, but he's got to do that, you know. Um, but realistically, uh, it would be good for the for the press to speak to him. Um, he says he doesn't like doing interviews, but for me at the moment, he's probably the most quote-worthy person in the dressing room because he, he does speak does speak well. Um Andy Carroll didn't want to do anything, but then again, why would he? He only came on for a few seconds at the end. But realistically, the mood of the players now is good, and it's going to have to be good this week going in that game at St James's Park. Thank you, in the press conference. <laughs> I hear you were there. Um, what about the West Ham reaction? Because 
Yeah. I mean, they've fallen from uh, quite a high uh, position in the league. Cresswell did not hold back on what he said. He said it's not good enough to be um, to be goes down to Newcastle. Uh, what was what was the West Ham reaction? Like? I mean, was it a case that West Ham were just awful, and or was it a case actually Newcastle were were very good up? It was a mixture of both, and it's funny when you think nearly a year ago when West Ham came to Newcastle and were three 0 up, and obviously won that game three 0 and you could see the value in spending money on attacking players. You had Anderson was on fire, Arnautovic was having his moment, and you had Hernandez up front, and really, it was amazing the contrast in performances, how lethargic they looked this time round, and you could tell there were real problems there. Um, you know the, the the stadium is what it is but when they're doing bad you really do feel it there uh, it was very quiet even in the first five minutes when you know the game was was even and, and it just I think that that first goal for Newcastle was key because West Ham five games without a win going into this they've really struggled at set pieces and when Newcastle took the lead through a set piece you could just see uh, how rock they looked and targeted Roberto Roberto was one of the guys Pellegrini was asked about the press conference you know is he up to this standard and he was very defensive of him and you just get the with Pellegrini because he's obviously got quite a CV he's going to stick to what he knows and that's playing a high line that's sticking with a goalie he trusts and he's going to try and get them out of that situation they're in his way but as I've said before you know Newcastle you know the the wins they've had this season against have been against teams on the slide. Let's be honest, but they have actually won those games and turned up, and that's what you have to do. Okay, I know they can see two goals later on, but to score three away from home, fifty minutes in, is really impressive. Um, so that is definitely something to take forward. So that's my next question. I mean, you've got Anson Maxman who performed really well, and Miron as well had a good game. We've mentioned Willems there. What was the one thing that you know you got home and you said right? That, that that stood out for me it was, it was that front layers yeah absolutely just it is, it is weird saying it, as he said we, they didn't score a goal yet you couldn't feel anything but excited seeing it all kind of come together as I touched on earlier the individual things each one did all added together and um, being so young and still adjusting to the Premier League your hope is that that is the start of something now um, and it's finding that consistency is going to be key and of course scoring the goals you know you nine goals a season five have been scored by defenders no one else in uh, the Premier League has that kind of ratio so if they could just get the forwards hitting goals they'll be fine this season I'm pretty convinced of that because they've been pretty resilient at the back via the odd moment um, and that is the foundation to take forward So why has it clicked? Why did it click on Saturday? We've been, we've been wishing it to click for God knows how long what, 10 games why why Saturday? Uh, combination of things, really. I think West Ham were just so bad as well. <laughs> you could, you've got to give credit to Newcastle, but remember West Ham were just all over the place. As I, say, I said going into the game, that it's not really a, like a football stadium, is it? It's, mm-hmm. It seems like a neutral ground and you can really capitalise on that kind of dreary atmosphere. Um, West Ham fans, like my memories of going to Upton Park, you know, it was intimidating almost, you know, but now they were like sitting in the stands eating their popcorn before the game and I just thought, Wow, it's it's not it's not the West Ham that I know. It's it was it was almost like some kind of like um 
you know, pop concert or something like that, you know, the way they were just sitting there. So, look, then the day Newcastle take the points whatever way they can get them, they, they took advantage of that, um, the lack of atmosphere and, you know, maybe things are clicking a bit because there were 11 games in now, Steve Bruce's methods, the players know what they can do, what they can get away with. I mean, you, you don't want to get on the wrong side, Steve Bruce, because he's he is quite vocal with the players um, and he'll make it clear in no uncertain terms that he's not happy about something. So I think there's a, a good core to the, to the squad now and I think they're responding to what he's saying. So, you know, if the players aren't playing for you, you know straight away by looking at the table. Um, but, the, you know, you're looking at the minute and they're not spectacular, but they're relatively solid. Just before we go on, just a quick note that uh, we're holding our live event on the 11th of December. You can find all the details on our website, but we will have Kieran and Lee as part of the panel alongside Mark Douglas, Sean McCormick uh, and the mirror Simon Bird, as well, well as give on a special guest in the interval as well. There'll be a comedian, a quiz, it'll be a wonderful night and uh, ticket proceeds go to the food bank. You guys looking forward to it? Yeah, I mean, the last event was fantastic. Um, reasonably good turnout. I, I, I seem to remember people... It's, it's just a different way of... Um, you know, doing the podcast for a start, but you get that sort of level of interaction with the fans that that turn up. Um, it was a particularly interesting night because it was the night that Lukaku's loan deal fell through, and it looked like Almiron's move was off. Yeah, he obviously signed it. That's right. It was right in the middle. Almiron of- was heading to to Italy, I think, to talk to Napoli and a couple of other clubs, and then then that ended up falling through. So. So we can't promise you that kind of drama this time around, but it will be entertaining, and uh, we hope you do come down. I say um, all ticket proceeds go to the food bank, which is a great cause. Lee, um, Matty Longstaff didn't uh, keep his place. The right decision for you? I mean, it's easy to say now, shall we? Obviously got the goal, and Hayden did, did really well. But, I mean, the right decision was, why do you think he did miss out? I think that Steve Bruce just wanted to go with the with the experience um, with Hayden and and obviously Shelby, and it 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 was probably a little bit harsh on Matty Longstaff because he's done very well. Um, but at the end of the day, I think he knew that he was he was never going to be one of the first names on the team sheet. But the challenge for him now is to to bounce back, and the dilemma for Steve Bruce is how and when he brings him re- reintroduces him to it because you know he needs to have regular game time because he could have been out on loan um, but fantastic to see him win the goal of the month on BBC that's a, that's a great great little accolade to, to tell your grandkids about in the future isn't it that you won goal of the month so brilliant for him and um, hopefully the first of many um, special goals for Newcastle Man United fans weren't too happy with that they accused uh, the results and they're never the... happy though yeah. they? You know, <laughs> I was trolling the club you know but um Kieran, you mentioned just briefly there um, about the defenders leading the, the goal-scoring charts. Great to see. Newcastle look very strong at set pieces, bonding the hand, playing devil's advocate. Is that an issue that you know you have? You know the defenders leading the way when it comes to goals. What do, I mean, I suppose they all count, so no yeah, one hand. But it, it, yeah, I see what you mean. It's it's not sustainable in theory. You know, for at the end of the season, we've said defenders have scored 55% of their league goals which they currently have you'd be a bit worried but um, 
I think what's been encouraging is you see Cher drop out, Fernandez comes in and he steps up with an assist and a goal in two games and he's also looked pretty good at the back as well. Clark, um, you know, had to wait so long for a league start, comes in against Manchester United, has a good game and he's been very solid ever since. So you've two guys who've had to be so patient um, and that they've really taken their chance and they come in to the point now where you're like, is this the best group of centre-backs Newcastle have had? Uh, because it, no matter what changes he's made this season, you think the first six league games it was dumb at Lascelles and shared. Um, no matter who's come in since, they've still looked pretty solid and resilient. Um, and you still have Lejeune to come back, who some would say is probably their best defender. So it's a really good problem to have. And um, yeah, I, I, at the moment you're thinking... You know, Cher's gonna have a isn't gonna just walk straight back in. And um, Dummett, who was man of the match at Spurs, one of the best defensive performances I've seen from an individual, all those blocks, and he's struggling to get a start. Well, that leads us nicely into Florian Lejeune. He's gonna um, play tonight for the under 23s at, at, at Villa. Um, you saw him Lee last week, turn off the under 23s. Great to see him back. Um, when do you think we'll actually see him play for the first team? I think it's probably going to be after the international break, uh, if we're being realistic about it. And he'll probably, you know, around the Christmas sort of, fe- the festive sort of fixtures, he'll, you know, have that, that game time under his belt by then. So I think there's no need to rush him. They've got six centre-backs and, you know, some of them are playing really well at the moment. You know, Fernandez and Clark in particular. So it would be... It would be silly to rush him back and and risk him if he can get 75, 80 minutes in the in the tank tonight. Then I think that'd be another step forward. Um, and he'd probably play another reserve game after that, I would say. And then then he'd probably back um, back on the bench. And then it's decision time for for Steve Bruce. And what a decision to have as well. So nice positive podcast. Just want to um, get one kind of. What, what what was the memory of this weekend then? Because it, it's it's a nice win. It's a, it's a good platform to build on for you, Lee. What was the one thing that stood out? I mean, f- for all the scored three three good work goals um, and got three points for me, it'll be the sight of Saint Maximin tearing down on that defence. Uh, you just love to see it. I mean, there's a few things in football that that are enjoyable to, to watch, but that's certainly one of them. Um, but hopefully he can follow up the next one uh, by rounding the keeper and putting it in the net. And for you, Kieran? Uh, 3-0 up the away fans <laughs> singing Geordie's Take the Mick. Uh, you can change that word. Uh, that that was, you know, I know they've done really well in London the, but in recent games, but it, that, that is remarkable that to be 3-0 up away at a Premier League team, it's uh, it was good. I know they nearly let them back in, but that's really impressive and the train was bouncing as well. and that <laughs> for both of you guys was that one of the best opening 45 minutes uh, away from home that you've seen I mean I know Kieran you could my United so we'll apply the same question though I mean Lee in your years yeah was that one of the best 45 minutes um, it, it's certainly for an away performance it, it's up there because it genuinely could have been 5-0 up at half time which would have been absolutely brilliant but um but yeah, it's, it's it's just good that the win. But you still know that there's work to do, and there's another gear to go up, and other players have got to contribute more. Um, but pretty positive all round. Yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, definitely this as, season. As, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I haven't got much of a base to judge on, but yeah, like you said, it's a lot of terrible Manchester United displays as well as good ones. But yeah, in terms of a first 45, I don't think it could have gone any better than scoring three goals and, and that's your only complaint. Uh, it's pretty, pretty amazing, isn't it? So yeah, that really, really good performance. Well, there you have it. This has been Everything is Black and White Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.